So today is a part two. Last week, my husband Brett started us off with a message about sacred space. And he spent that message basically just defining and describing what sacred space is. And, you know, one of the ways to say it that kind of makes it easy to understand is that sacred space is change time. Something that happens in our lives when a big change or upheaval happens. One of the things he talked about is that one way to look at a story, storytelling, the way most stories are told, is that a story begins with normalcy. A family, a group of people, a person, whatever, is, has a normal life. Second, an explosion happens, something big and dramatic. You know, if it's a spy movie, it's an actual explosion. If it's a family drama, it might be a divorce or a death or something like that. And then the whole plot moves forward as they learn to deal with that explosion. And the end of the story is their new normal, right? So that's the resolution to the story, how they've gotten through the explosion into the new normal. Now, I don't think it's going to be news to any of you that we are living in a bit of an explosion right now. Right? So I thought we'd have a little fun with this this morning, and because I live with teenagers in my house, we are going to start off with some memes about 2020. So hit it, Shannon. Can you guys see that? How it feels waking up every morning in 2020. Captain Picard says, damage report. All right, next one. If 2020 was a slide, we are all going into the cheese grater together. All right, next one. For all you Office fans, my plans and 2020. All right, last one. Waking up every morning in 2020 be like, let's see, where were we? Oh, yes, the pit of despair. And, it, you know, it feels a little bit like that right now, doesn't it? Like we wake up every morning and we're like, What's going to happen today? What's the damage? What is the cheese grater going to do to my backside this morning? Right? That's kind of where we are. But the invitation that Brett left us with last week is that in the midst of that explosion, this change time or sacred space, we have two choices, two choices before us. One is to ignore it, close our eyes, white knuckle through it, just let everything be what it is, kind of sit in the craziness of it and hope that it passes soon. Just hunger down and let the storm pass. Or, number two, we can open ourselves to God's working. We can embrace the change time and the holy ground of it. And we can let it refine us and make it, let it make us more of who God wants us to be. And the beauty of that is that if we let it make us more of who God wants us to be, it will lead us to a life that is so much more of the things that we all want. It will lead us to a life of more freedom, more joy, more peace, more purpose in God's kingdom. So that's what we want to do. We want to embrace the sacred space. We want to embrace the change time. So we're going to talk about four ways that we can do that this morning. I'm sure they are not the only four ways, but these are just four ways. Okay, so number one is really short. Number one is be intentional. Did I spell that right? There's supposed to be another T. I'm a terrible speller. Anyway, intentional. 
Okay, so young people, shout it out. Little, little uh, audience participation. What does intentional mean? Purposeful, that's an excellent word. Anyone have another word for intentional? Yes. Meant to be, that's excellent. So I'm gonna say for intentional this morning, I see it and I choose how to respond. So this is just a very simple, I see the cheese grater, I know it's coming, and I'm just gonna acknowledge that I have a choice in how I'm gonna to respond to this. I am gonna be intentional with my response. Okay, point two, begin with acceptance. Okay, young people, what does acceptance mean? What does it mean if you accept something? You realize it, very good. You agree to it internally. That's excellent, that's excellent. I am gonna say, I don't like it, because there's certainly a lot of things we don't like right now, right? I don't like it, but I accept the reality of it. I accept the reality. Okay, now, when I was first thinking about this, I was like, I don't particularly remember Jesus saying, I'm just gonna accept the reality. Like, is that really a Jesus thing? But I think if we look at a couple scriptures, we will see that beginning with acceptance is very much a Jesus way of thinking. So we are gonna go to Matthew chapter 13 and read. Matthew chapter 13 says, and this is often called the parable of the wheat and the tares. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now tares were weeds that looked just like the wheat at first. So they sowed bad seed, weed, in with the wheat, but when it first started growing, no one could tell the difference. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So in another gospel, Jesus tells us that the wheat represents the children of God and the tares represent those who are living against the children of God. And he says that the evil and the just live together in this world and that someday God is going to sort all of that out. But I think today we can take a point, an additional point um, that Jesus is making here, which is that 
we can't always dive in and fix the problem right now. There are some things that we can see and we can say, that's not right. It's not supposed to be that way. But we can't always dive in and fix it without creating more damage. Sometimes things have to be left to God. Sometimes they have to be left to time. And sometimes they have to be left to others. Now this does not mean that we don't see the brokenness or that God has not, has not given us the work of fixing brokenness. And we're gonna be talking about that more in our next series. Um, but one, as one person or one church, we cannot address or change or fix all of the brokenness in the world. We cannot dive in and fix everything that we see. And if we let seeing the brokenness keep us in a constant state of just being upset and wound up and in turmoil, then we can never get to a place of peace, a place of stillness, where God can show us, Hannah, this is the place I have for you to address the brokenness. Benjamin, this is the place I have for you to address the brokenness. Because we're just so spun up and upset about all the brokenness that we see around us all the time. So we begin with acceptance. I don't like it, but I accept that this is the reality right now. I can accept it. The Apostle Paul gives us kind of another view of this concept in Philippians 4, where he writes from a prison cell, I am not saying I need anything. I have learned to be happy with whatever I have. I know how to get along with little and how to live when I have much. I have learned the secret of being happy at all times. If I am full of food and have all I need, I am happy. If I am hungry and I need more, I am happy. I can do all things because Christ gives me strength. I love that he says here, I can do all things because Christ gives me strength. And what he's talking about is being happy in any situation. He's not talking about moving mountains or conquering the world. That's not the strength that Christ is giving him. He is saying, Christ can give me strength to be happy in any circumstance. And that is the kind of contentment that we can start cultivating in ourselves when we begin with accepting our present surroundings. So I have a prayer that I've been using to help me begin my day in a place of acceptance. And I like to use prayers like this. You can go ahead and put up the prayer, Shannon. Thank you. I like to use prayers like this um, and kind of meditate on them one line at a time and like take a deep breath with every line. Um, you're welcome to take a picture of this. I can put it um, in the Facebook comments later. But this prayer kind of takes me one step at a time through the stages of where I tend to begin my day to a place of acceptance. So I'm just going to read it. Lord, giver and sustainer of all life and king of the universe. So that first line puts me in a prayerful, worshipful posture, reminds me of who God is and who I am. I come before you now accepting this precious day as I find it. 
God, I acknowledge that there are things I don't like, things I wish were different, and things that are unjust. And today, I choose to move toward contentment by laying them all at your feet. May I walk in harmony with the Holy Spirit today and share your gifts in every moment. Amen. Okay, so point number three. After we have framed our thoughts with intention, that I get to choose how to respond, and we have begun with acceptance, that I can accept and have peace in the present reality, number three is examine your attachments. And today we're going to define attachments as things I believe I can't live without. Things I believe I can't live without. In this time of upheaval and uncertainty, you can ask yourself, is some of the unsettledness I'm feeling, some of the fear I'm feeling, is it because some things are being shaken up that I believe I can't live without? In Mark 10, there's a story of Jesus interacting with a young man that we often call the rich young ruler. And in Mark 10, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. So Jesus basically gives him the outline of the old law. Here's the basics of the old law. This is what you need to do. And he says, teacher, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, when I heard this story taught growing up, a lot of times I heard people say, this man's problem was that he loved his wealth. He loved it. He loved wealth more than he loved Jesus. But the text does not say that he loved his wealth. It only says that he had great wealth, and so he walked away. I think it was probably more accurate to say he was attached to his wealth. He did not believe he could live without it. He did not believe he could release it and follow Jesus, that Jesus would fill in the gaps that his wealth might leave behind. All right, I'm going to tell you guys a story. I'm going to sit down for a minute. So this is a story about a time I went to therapy. And I like to share stories about when I went to therapy because if I'm going to pay and go through all the pain and all that, at least you guys can benefit from it too, right? So 
When I was about 28, I found myself in a very not good place. Um, and as I look back on it now, I realize that what had happened in the couple years prior was that I had had a dream. I had a dream, I had something that I had wanted since I was eight, ten years old. And the couple years prior to this period, it just became clear that that dream was not going to happen for me. Some things about my house, some things about my family, it was just not going to happen. And I fell into a deep depression, a depression that I could not get out of. I could not get out of with food and exercise and good counsel and scripture reading. So I went to therapy. And as I finally discussed all of the things that were a part of this dream for me, the core, one of the core things that was making me so depressed was that I felt deep down in my heart that God had left me. I had this feeling that something had broken about my relationship with God. And I was interpreting that as, well, God must not love me because he has not given me this dream and he's left me. So here I am and I feel like I've been abandoned by God. And so this was, of course, extremely painful, extremely emotional and I could not get out of the pit that it set me in. So I will never forget when I finally got to the bottom of that and said the root of the problem, which was that I felt like God had left. The therapist said, Christian therapist, she said, you know, sometimes people attach to God through something else. It's as if they reached up to God to grab hold, but they were wearing a glove. They were wearing a glove. And as long as that glove was intact, they felt attached to God. They felt like God was with them, was right with them, and their relationship with God was based on this attachment that they had through this glove. But then when the glove gets taken away, you feel like your attachment to God has shattered. You feel like God is not there anymore. And it's not because God's gone anywhere. God didn't change. God didn't leave. But you have always built your relationship to God through something, through something that you grabbed a hold through this glove that has been a security and attachment for you. And that was really the breakthrough moment that I needed to get my spiritual life and my emotional life back on track. Because I realized that God had not left me, but life had taken away something that I believed I couldn't live without. I believed I couldn't live without it. And when I got back to the solid place of God is here, God loves me, Jesus is with me, the Holy Spirit is with me, and I can live without this. I can. 
Everything can be good and beautiful and safe without this. Then I started to be able to have joy and peace in my life again. So if you think you may be struggling in, with some attachments in this time of upheaval, you can ask yourself questions like this. Do I feel like if God loved me, he wouldn't allow blank to happen? Do I feel like I would not be me if blank happened? Do I feel like I could not handle it if blank happened? I believe that Jesus is calling us to release our attachments. I think what he is saying to the rich young ruler is, I am going to shake up your way of life. You can't just hang on to your normal and your expectations and your attachments and truly follow me. And he's not saying this because he's some kind of control freak or because he's jealous of all our attention. He is saying it because he wants to free us from those things. He wants us to be free so he can lead us into freedom and abundance. Okay, how's everybody doing? Everybody doing all right? Yeah, good? Okay, can you take one more? Yes, yes? we're not glazed over yet? Okay, great. Here we go. Point number four, last point. Befriend your shadow. Your shadow. Now, this point always reminds me a little bit of Peter Pan, you know, who loses his shadow and he spends half the movie going to try to find it. Um, but in this case, we are going to define shadow as sin, weaknesses, and frailties or struggles. And again, the word shadow is not so much a biblical word, but I believe it's a good way to understand the concepts in the New Testament of sin nature or struggling with our flesh. And the reason I like it is because it encompasses, yes, sin, things that we do that we know are wrong, but also these things that it's just part of being human. As long as we live on this earth, we're gonna have weaknesses, we're gonna have struggles, and that's okay. That is okay. Richard Rohr, one of my favorite authors, says, in the first half of life, we fight against and hide our shadow. In the second half of life, we accept and befriend it. I think one of the hardest things about these times of upheaval is that our shadow, our weaknesses, keep coming up. Have you guys noticed that the things that you struggle with seem to be like right in your face right now? The things that you want to hide, that you want to pretend you've gotten better at, just always seem to be coming up. That is how I have been feeling for sure. And Paul talks about that in Romans 7. We're going to read a little bit of Romans 7, starting in verse 14. Now, this is a tongue twister, so bear with me. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. 
As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Okay. Oh, yes, that's a mouthful. But this is exactly what I feel like lately, right? I wake up in the morning and I say, you know, things are crazy, the world's kind of on fire, but I'm just going to, I'm going to be patient with my children, I'm going to live in love, I'm going to stay calm. And then by about 11 a.m., I'm frustrated, I'm irritable, I'm spun up, and I'm not being very patient, and I'm not being very loving. Anyone else? Please tell me I'm not feeling, thank you so much for joining me in that. I really appreciate it. So that's what Paul's talking about, trying to do what we know we want to do, but we can't do it because we're just trying to do it on our own, out of our own self. So what's the solution? He tells us in the next chapter, Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Grace covers it all. Even our shadow. Even our shadow. We can go from a place of fighting and struggling against our flesh to a place of security and grace and redemption in Christ. As long as the sun shines, we will have a shadow. We will have weaknesses and temptations and struggles. We will never be perfect. But instead of fighting it, denying it, or being terrified of it, we can invite it into the light. We can say, hey, like Peter Pan, shadow, come here. Come sit right here by me. Come sit right here by me in the light of Jesus. I can befriend you and accept you and forgive you. Why? Because Jesus has already forgiven it. He has already covered it in all of his grace. So we can, we can forgive what he's already forgiven. We can forgive those darkest, ugliest parts of ourselves that we've always wanted to hide. And when we finally forgive them, Jesus can transform them. That's where we can finally get to the transformation. That's where we finally get to the transformation. St. Francis of Assisi, one of the most famous, renowned spiritual writers of all time, said this as he was beginning his ministry. Here is where I will rejoice. 
I will delight in non-power, non-aggression, non-domination, non-wealth, non-pleasure, and non-success. I think as Americans, that mode of life sounds pretty terrible and pretty scary. As Americans, we can be kind of addicted to things that make us feel powerful, places that we can have domination, the pursuit of wealth, pleasure, success, and comfort. But isn't this how Jesus lived? Jesus lived in these things that St. Francis gives us a list of here. He never pursued power or aggression or wealth or pleasure or anything the world would define as success. So, if all of this sounds a little bit overwhelming today, if you're like, wow, I mean, that sounds kind of good, but it also sounds really hard. Sounds like something I kind of don't want to do. <laughs> this is my good news for you. One, we are not meant to do it all at once. Whichever one of these jumped out at you today, if you said, man, that's, this second one, that's really speaking to me. I'm going to work on acceptance. Great. If you can work on acceptance during this COVID thing, you will have gained great spiritual muscle in 2020. If you, if you thought, man, I do need to befriend and forgive my shadow. I've been running away from things and ignoring them in my life. I'm going to work on that with Jesus. You would gain amazing spiritual muscle during this time. And here's the second piece of good news. You do not have to do it alone. Friends, we were never meant to do this kind of difficult, deep spiritual work in a vacuum. Because I did not have the kind of community I could do it with, I went to a therapist for it, which is fine too. That's good. But we can work through these things together which is why we're so committed to house churches and small groups and women's Bible studies and the places that we walk things out together in community. Okay, band can come back up. We are definitely in a time of explosion. And I think one thing that is so hard about this explosion is that we are doing it all at the same time. If I had been doing this lesson last year, I would have said, you know, some of us may be in a change time. Somebody may be having, you know, a divorce or an illness. Someone may be moving. Someone may be having a job change. But right now, we are all in the explosion, all of us together. So as we move through this crazy explosion together, let's just keep accepting the invitation that Jesus is giving us to, with intention, move toward acceptance and contentment to examine our attachments and start to loosen our hold on them and to stop running away from our shadow and forgive it. And when we do these things, we will find ourselves closer and closer to Jesus and more and more in the life of abundance that he wants for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all these precious people who are here and who are online with us. 
Thank you that we can be here today to worship, to worship you and be reminded of the fact that you never change. That in all of the explosion around us, you stay the same. And you are always there to make good out of all of the hard. And that, Father, as we accept your invitation into sacred space, you will draw closer and closer to us. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being real. Thank you for this community. Please bless us and go with us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray.